Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchrude. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. My name is Grace Evans and I am here with Moses Bratchrude. Super excited to be back on the podcast with Moses. It was sad not having him last week, but you know, had to have a super awesome guest on. That was an awesome episode. It was really, truly incredible. So go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. I I was interviewing an executive director of a pro-life pregnancy resource center. Super, super awesome stuff she had to say. Um, also, just quick disclaimer, if my voice sounds off. I'm recovering from a cold. Sorry about that, guys. That will be gone next week, fingers crossed. But really wanted to make sure that we are still on the podcast, still getting you guys all the facts so that you can go ahead and stand for truth. So I want to give you guys a quick rundown of what we'll be talking about on today's podcast episode. First, Moses will give you guys an overview of what's been going on in the Minnesota legislature because we gave you guys a lot of updates. We've been giving you updates, but we haven't given you a broad overview in, I think, about two weeks. So really want to give you an update on what's been going on, specific bills, just let you know what's been going down. We'll also uh, be discussing the Democratic agenda because we've talked about that a little, but again, we haven't talked about that recently. So we'll break that down. Most will break that down for you guys. And then I will be talking about a story here in Minnesota about a Minnesota teacher whose goal is to confuse our children about their gender identity. That video is crazy. It's crazy. So it's get ready. so, so bad. So let's go ahead and jump right on in. Moses, tell us what's been going on in the Minnesota legislature. Yeah. So I want to I want to frame this by talking about this article I saw um, from National Review. Mm. And you know what? I kind of missed it, I guess, when it first came out. Uh, it came out, I think, in February. But the what basically it was it was called uh, the culture war in Minnesota. And the funny thing is that on a national level, what do people think of when they think of Minnesota? They probably think lakes. They probably think our accent. They probably think Minnesota nice. That maybe hot dishes, hot dish, Lutherans. Maybe they've been to Duluth. Duck, you know? duck, gray duck. Duck, duck, exactly. <laughs> Which and I'm still so weirded out by. Finally. I'm a duck, duck, gray duck supremacist. <laughs> Are you? That is Are you? Absolutely. Wait, but you weren't even born here, were you? You're born in. Wisconsin. I I was born 45 minutes away from here. Is Wisconsin a duck, duck, gray duck thing? Well, I I did lived they do in that? that part of Wisconsin where everybody did duck, duck, gray duck. Wow. And everybody loved the Packers. I'm just so weird. And out everybody that. loved the Twins. It was like this strange hybrid. Anyway, I love growing up there, but yeah, <laughs> Duck Duck Grey Duck. So, duck Duck Goose. So my point being, people don't think about Minnesota, Grace, and think this is the most radically left-wing right. state in the country. That's and California. Yet, that's New York City. Yeah, New York, New York Massachusetts, Vermont. Oregon. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yet, here we are, or, or Illinois. Right. You know, like if we're talking a little bit closer to home, who are the crazy radical people in the Midwest? Well, obviously, Illinois. Uh, but the Minnesota uh, progressives are trying to get them a run for their money. And we've covered that in the podcast. Mm -hmm. But I thought this article had a really helpful summary. And I'm adapting this slightly. A really help helpful summary of what they've been trying to pass into law. So get ready. Strap in. Um, enshrining a broadened right to abortion in state law. And that was signed. That was the PRO Act. Um, uh, legalizing recreational marijuana, we'll talk about that more later, giving state driver's licenses mm -hmm. to illegal aliens, expanding the vote for felons on prob probation or parole, a new law that aims to establish Minnesota as a trans-refuge state by preventing out-of-state laws from interfering in the practice of gender-affirming health care, quote, and that's what we call the kidnapping bill because of how it would take kids away from their parents. Um, uh, redesigning the state flag to remove, quote, racist undertones, unquote. <laughs> 
Do you have details on that? Yeah. So That's if you look at the state flag, um, I gotta the state flag this, is, is I've seen it the state before. flag actually is really bad, guys. Like, is it? It's, it's it's really ugly and, and boring. I'm but sorry. How, I'm so sorry to say that. But like, wow, you're ex- like exposing yourself here. The haters are gonna come I for know, you. No, but I, I'm sorry, guys. But if there's anyone who actually likes the Minnesota state flag, please come find me. I've never heard of it anyone is who likes really, it. Ornate, I will say. So basically, a lot of states have. Okay, I do not want to get into a um, debate, a, 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 an extended segment about vexillology, which is the study of flags. Did you know? Only Moses would know this, guys. <laughs> that, that is a pretty obscure term. Terms, but anyway, it doesn't really <laughs> matter that much, guys. The fact that there are Native Americans portrayed on the state seal, which is on the state flag, oh. doesn't necessarily mean that the flag has racist undertones. So that, that's all I'm going to say about that. That's so other things. Broadening the state's gun control laws with new background checks and red flag laws, promoting anti-Asian hate crime laws, expanding the Teachers of Color Act aimed at increasing the number of non-white teachers in the state, passing a carbon-free energy mandate. So would that mean only electric cars? Is that what that means? You know what? I don't want to speak about that because I haven't uh, researched it a ton. That is one thing I know that California has said yeah. only electric cars can be sold yeah. uh, after a certain date. I want to say it's 2030 or maybe yeah. 2025. And I know Wall said that he hopes, he said it like on a tweet, so it's a, he said he hopes Minnesota can be like electric car only by 2024, which that yeah. won't happen, of course. But no. yeah. Right. So so definitely that is the direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then changes to policing, capitalizing on racially polarizing deaths in police custody. Now, to, the thing wait, is... policing capital... What does that mean? Um, policing... So, so like as you know, there have been a there have been a number of um, of deaths of people in police custody. Mm-hmm. The most recent uh, one that was mentioned in this article was the killing of uh, Tyre Nichols in um, Memphis. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, but uh, five five police officers were charged with murder. It was bad. Guys. Okay, it was I see bad. Th- okay. So, and the idea is that whenever there's something that some bad cops do there will be people who will take that and try to attack police as an institution, as if we don't need, that they'll say we don't need police, we don't want police, defund the police. We've talked about that. So now this list of stuff, guys, that's not to say that all of these things are bad ideas, right? But all of them are addressing hot button social and cultural issues on the basis of progressive assumptions. And some of them are extremely divisive. Um, this, is, this is culture war. And the thing about the Democrats is that they're biting off more than they can chew. They have a one-vote majority, mm-hmm. Grace, as Facts. you and I know, Facts. in it, the Minnesota Senate. It's only passing by the narrowest of margins. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, not a slam dunk. Right. And that, and, and when you have that situation, basic poli- political science would tell you that you need to govern towards the center. You need mm-hmm. to, you need to. Uh, uh, Take things that the other party will agree on. Now, of course, your, your party has to advance your party's priorities. But you have to look at what the other side is going to agree on instead of literally giving them the middle finger, mm-hmm. which I feel like is what's happening this session. So that was kind of our uh, my, my 10,000-foot overview. Like, we just need to remember, yeah. Minnesota is not New York or California or Massachusetts. This is a very purple state. You know, Clinton only beat Trump by 1.6 points in 2016. Wow. Uh, less wow. than 50,000 votes, right? So um, this is not a state that want, that is going to be blue forever in, this, in the way that we can say of so true. maybe Massachusetts. So 
this type of cultural radicalism is wrong for everybody. Mm-hmm. And But my, my point here is simply that it's just going to be bad for our opponents. They're going yep. to lose elections. Yep. And that's what they care about. Elections are like what they do instead of going to church. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm really glad that you broke that down. And I'm really glad for that list you gave. That is so helpful, both for me and for our audience, Moses. I mean, just laying it all out there, like that's what they're trying to do. I do note that they didn't mention anything on that list about the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, that, that that happened later. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe that you can go ahead and exactly. dive in and spill the beans on that because R- right. the e- so-called Equal Rights Amendment is actually about erasing women. Right. So Absolutely. let's jump into that. So, yeah, so that was since that article was published, there has there have been even more uh, things. And with the ERA... It is really absurd because... So Equal Rights Amendment, ERA. Right. There's two bills. One of them would basically, is it just a resolution that would tell the federal government to consider the Equal Rights Amendment to have been passed, Mm. to to be part of the U.S. Constitution, to to be an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, because I think it was in the 80s, or the late 70s or early 80s Mm. was when the ERA was a really big thing, and um, and so... uh, and it needed to be ratified by two-thirds of the states. That's how an amendment becomes part of the U.S. Constitution. And it never was. And several states rescinded the ratification. And then I think several states, I think, I don't remember which states it was, but several states, like 30 years later, were like, oh, no, I'm just kidding, we do want the ERA. So and 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 the, and the Supreme Court was like, well, that's past the deadline. And even Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the late Justice Ginsburg, she was like, I don't know, guys, that was 30 years ago. But that's the legal tactic that's being put forward in this resolution. Now the other ERA bill, and I think I have the, no, I don't have the bill number right in front of me. Sorry, but what that bill is is basically there shall be no discrimination on the basis of sex, which is the original ERA, no discrimination on the basis of sex gender identity, gender expression. And I think there might be a couple other things in there. And so what we're talking about is taxpayer-funded abortion mm-hmm. because when something is a right, right, it, the, basically what it can be seen as, and this is absurd, but this is how courts will interpret it. And this has been done in states that have passed the ERA. This is not us making things up. So uh, what would happen, I think this happened in New Jersey, for example, they passed the ERA and the court said, okay, no discrimination on the basis of sex. Well, only women can become pregnant. Uh, that was back when people believed that only women <laughs> could become pregnant. <laughs> the thing is, does anyone actually believe that men can become pregnant? Like, do they actually of believe that? Men can become or pregnant, they, do they you actually. Hateful bigot. <laughs> so, do they actually believe that, do you think? Or do you think that they actually know only women can become pregnant? Like, I'm wondering if there's a slim major- minority well, of people who believe... Well, they believe that women believe... who identify as men can yeah, become Yeah, but they, do they, they don't actually think that biological men can become pregnant. No no one believes that. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm honestly that. confused. I think they're working on that. I'm like, that. Are, do you actually believe that? Because if so, let's go back to first grade. Okay, so I, I've heard some stuff about, like, womb transplants, okay? No, oh. I, know, I know. Oh, that makes it's, me feel... I know. I've heard of that, too. It makes me feel so grossed right. out. Absolutely ew, disgusting. Ew. Brave okay, New so World. Brave, brave New World vibes. Go read that, guys. Yep. Absolutely. No. So it's like, will that happen or will that stay in the pages of science fiction? The next thing is our our brain will be kept alive after we die and then like freeze it or whatever and oh, like have no. it connected to a computer. Like I know people have talked about that. Like pinky in the brain kind so, of? Cause, yeah, so we can like live forever. <laughs> I, this is so terrible. Sorry. I don't want to live forever on, on this earth. Sorry. No, we're tangenting no. here, guys. But Guys, the thing, about, <laughs> the thing about it is that we all die. 
Like, yeah. um, like we're all going to die. And, and there's we have no to, way that we're not going to. We're, we're, we're not going to avoid that by, by any stretch of the imagination. So one of the course, one of the things that we have to do with our lives, and all the great philosophers realize this, is we have to live in such a way that our life has meaning after we die. And the only way that we actually can do that is by devoting ourselves to something eternal. And the only truly eternal thing is Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who... Um, lives and reigns with the Father who saved us from uh, sins and will raise us up again at the last day. Yeah, we have to live wisely in the world that God has made. That's what we're yeah. called to. And there's no hope for us in this world if we don't live that way. Absolutely. Or in the next. <laughs> that was kind of crazy. We went, we did, the, we did the Jesus <laughs> juke, didn't we? We went from, not intentional. That we was went from not brains planned. and bats to, to <laughs> the gospel. And that's Bam. good because when you think about some of this stuff, you really, yeah. people need Jesus. And I'm not joking. People yes. need Jesus. Our state needs Jesus. Yeah. Let me tell you. So, Some of our legislators really need Jesus. Absolutely. So let me let me tell you a little bit more about these bills. So, yeah. Um. On the ERA, yeah. were you done there, or do you um, have more to comment on? Because I kind of want to talk about a little bit how it does erase womanhood. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I don't know all the specifics, thing. all the details. We'll have Becca Delahunt, our acting director of policy, on at some point to really break that down for us. Um, has she talked about that before yet? I don't think she has on the podcast. Not the ERA in detail. We'll have no. her on. Yeah, yeah we got to have her on. Um, but to my limited knowledge, um, you know, one thing that it does is it would enable the it would enable biological males to be coming into female spaces, female only spaces, so locker rooms. Um, bathrooms, places like that. That's very, very unsafe for women, of course. Um, And it would also uh, allow biological males to compete against biological females. Very, very unfair for women. And so that's why we're saying the Equal Rights Amendment is actually about erasing womanhood. And Becca could break that down exactly legally, how that would work, the details of that. Um, So stay tuned for that. Um, Moses, give us a quick update on the PRO Act and the how-to of PRO Act. Yes, um, I will. So the PRO Act passed, as as you guys all know. Protect and, Reproductive Options Act, quote unquote. Right. And uh, what that law did, just to go back a little bit, uh, was basically say that there's a, a right to an abortion in the Minnesota Constitution. Now, did that change anything on the ground? It didn't change a ton because then in 1995, the Minnesota Supreme Court had already ruled uh, to that to that effect in the Doe v. Gomez decision. So it's not good for that to be... Um, for that to be enshrined in law. It's very bad, but it didn't change a ton of things. The how-to for the abortion, uh, for the PRO Act, or what we like to call the infanticide bill also, that is a very, uh, that's a different matter. Now it claims to be, it claims that it's basically doing the same thing, but actually it doesn't. It repeals a ton of pro-life laws, uh, like the requirement that abortion facilities report abortions, the requirement that uh, women's right to know, um, parental notification, things like that, and the Born Alive Infants Protection Act, the the law that states that uh, if a child is born alive during the course of a failed abortion, that child uh, uh, will receive, must receive life-saving medical mm-hmm, care. Mm-hmm. And uh, horrifying stories of what happens when that life-saving care is not provided, um, and uh, and that's and, and yet that is one of the bills that our opponents are trying to uh, to to repeal. Now the good news is that that bill continues to seem stalled. Now we don't want to claim victory on this. We absolutely can't say that this bill has been defeated. Mm-hmm. We could still see a floor vote on yes. that bill in either house or in both houses. But the reason we haven't seen a floor vote is because they know they can't get the votes right now. Well, that's we at least one possible reason. Yeah, we, sure. We, we, 
as far as we know, and and Democrats have said this publicly. We've shared yep. this on the podcast. Democrats mm-hmm. have shared publicly their frustration with opponent with with their people in their own party who don't like that bill. Because and it's that just literally like, is infanticide. Yeah, it, it, it that's is like, not a good look. Of course, they're uncomfortable with it. It's yep. it's murderous. Yep. So. Um, uh, then we, you know what? I do want to back up a little bit because what I did want to say is I wanted to talk about timelines. Mm. Guys, the, the Minnesota legislature legally must end, uh, the session must end on May 22nd. So they have a huge amount of stuff enough. to do. <laughs> it, they, in theory, uh, they could call a special session. So, what, um, how long would the special session last? If it, it, it would depend. Wow. It, Okay, because it, it could—it's like two weeks to anywhere, right? It could, it could, I you know, I, I don't really remember the length of okay. the length. Uh, I, in fact, I think they've had one day special sessions in the past. Wow. Okay. So it—it—the it, question is—is is really will they special really get session there? to make it easier to ch- kill children? Wow. Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> That's what it would be. That would be that would be horrifying. Yep. Usually, it's the it's the money bills that c- cause them to delay. Uh, things okay. like the, the okay. fiscal bills and bonding bills. So um, I want to talk about committee deadlines, though, mm. because uh, we've already passed one of them. Yeah, the first deadline was Quick on March. Quick explain to our audience what a committee is, because some of them might not know. Yeah, so uh, for a bill to pass uh, in one of the houses of the state legislature, it has to first be heard by probably at least one committee, but usually several committees. Mm-hmm. So a bill regarding um, abortion might have to go through the uh, Health and Human Services Policy Committee, uh, the Judiciary Committee, uh, possibly the Commerce Committee, depending on what the actual bill is saying. And then, only then, is it actually able to be voted on uh, by itself on the floor. Now, uh, the first deadline, March 10th, which is passed, that is the deadline when a bill has to, it has to, uh, it's the deadline for committees to act favorably on bills in the House of Origin. So if the bill started in the House, then it needs to, it needs to have a favorable committee action by March 10th. And there are a couple bills that didn't make that deadline. And one bill, uh, which were, uh, we're happy about this, is the assisted suicide bill. Mm-hmm. That's HF 1358, 1358. So that missed the deadline to have a legislative hearing. It has not had one in either house, to my knowledge. And so that does not necessarily mean that it's dead for the year. I'll okay. explain. So even if a bill misses this deadline, first of all, uh, there, there's I won't read the legalese about this, but the committees basically can ignore the rule. Uh, the, the rules committee in either the House or the Senate can... Um, can basically say, oh, you know, that bill, that bill doesn't have to follow the rules. So we can't say with any certainty that a, a bill is actually dead. But what I'm, what I want to give you guys is a timeline because uh, for better or for worse, we will know on probably May 22nd, mm-hmm. we, we uh, at this point, I don't think people are expecting a special session. But we will know which of these bills has passed, which of these bills has failed. And the PRO Act is already a huge indictment on our on our leaders. Yep. The fact that they allowed this to pass. I'm still shocked, honestly. The fact that they advocated for yep. it. The fact that they, they... We didn't ask for it. We don't want it. Minnesotans didn't ask for it. Minnesotans don't want it. They still passed right. it. Bad That's look. Right. Very bad look for them. So I think, Grace, to me, the, the question is how far... That, that was going so far. Oh, yes. And yet how much yes. further are some of these bills going to go? Um, 
and and how and w- will those bills gain the traction mm-hmm. that they need to pass the legis- legislature? So I want to talk Which, about just a couple more. Can I say one quick thing on that? Yeah, I will say you. We kind of mentioned this before. I think we might have said it on the podcast today even. But again, this is terrible, and so it, all of these things are so terrible. But the good thing is, it's going to make pro-life Republicans, pro-life candidates in general, look so good the next election. They're going to look so good as long as they stay on message, as long as they're unabashedly pro-life and are standing up for life, family, and religious freedom. They're going to look awesome compared to this. So that is the one good thing. It should hopefully be a good election for life, family, and religious freedom next time around. Fingers crossed. Yeah. As long as we have good candidates. Absolutely. I mean, that's the hope. I mean, think mm-hmm. think about you're a candidate and you wanna you wanna talk to a town hall of your constituents. Mm-hmm. And do you really want to be able them to to talk to you and say, you voted for this bill that would ban or that would uh, make it legal for physicians to withhold care from a baby born alive during an abortion on a cold metal table but lying there what crying what i mean honestly just dystopian dystopian what is just give me one good reason why anyone would vote for that and yet right uh certainly legislators will vote for it Uh, some some legislators will vote for it uh, have already voted for it and they voted for it yeah they voted for it on the floor too actually a pro act Oh, uh, no, no, this, this, is the, this is the other... Mm, this is the House oh, an Pro amendment. Act. But they voted for an amendment on Pro Act, which That's Pro right. Act passed. And almost every single Democratic legislator voted yes in favor of the infanticide bill. That's or the right. infanticide because, because they voted they against tried, the amendment. They had tried to add an amendment to that bill that would have banned abortion. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, they would have uh, banned infanticide. Banned it would have banned that specific yep. thing. And, and it did not pass, and that was extreme and so like just think about mm-hmm. think about the bloodbath that will be at these constituency yep. town halls and these yep. candidate meetings mm-hmm. coming going into the next election which yep. is a while away because minnesotans are stepping up they're calling the representatives they're yeah. calling their senators they're crying on the phone they're sending many many emails and our representatives our senators know that minnesotans don't support this and yes yet they're still pushing forward on this radical radicalism yeah. um which really the question is why? Why are you so obsessed with killing children? Why are you so obsessed with that when your own constituents don't support that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So very briefly, a couple other bills that people should be aware of. Be following these. We will send out more updates. Uh, HF 2280 is so-called, I'm not sure I'm going to get the name right, but I think it's called the Gender Affirming Care Rights Act. Basically, uh, Minnesota law would, uh, would, protect the right to get gender-affirming care. So that's very similar to the executive order that Governor Walls signed. However, um, uh, generally a law is going to have more force than an executive order. Um, So that bill, I think, needs to have at least one or two more uh, hearings before the second deadline. And the second legislative deadline is uh, March 24th. So that's coming up. So we'll see if that bill makes the deadline. Again, if a, even if a bill does not make the deadline, that doesn't necessarily mean mm-hmm. that it's dead for the year. Yep. Um, a couple other bills that that we're interested in that we're following are the marijuana legalization bill. Uh, that's that's kind of publicly stalled right now. Uh, there's Democrats in the Senate who won't vote for it unless they change it. That's so we'll recreational see if, mar- marijuana, correct? Recreational yep. marijuana. Yeah. Me- medical marijuana is is already legal in Minnesota. Yep. And then finally. Um, uh, the kidnapping bill, HF-146, is mm-hmm. still alive, and we could see a floor vote in either house on that. And, and again, the kidnapping bill would allow the state to take custody of children if they want, if those children would like to gender transition or take life-altering drugs, um, and, those, and the parents of that child disagree with that, then the state can take custody of those kids. Yeah, That's what it, that bill would do. 
It's it's frightening. It's it should never have been considered. So nope. the fact that we could be talking about a floor vote is just insane. We'll keep you updated. Thank you so much. Almost four thousand people have wow. have taken action. Amazing. On, Thank you guys. On, on not just that bill, but on all of the bills. Um, and so we're just so grateful for and and we're and there's there's more action alerts coming. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for your support. Um, if you if you don't get our updates, go to mfc.org forward slash subscribe. Make sure you're getting our legislative updates. It's so crucial, especially at this time, because um, things are coming down to the wire. Now, that is what's going on in the Minnesota legislature. After a couple of weeks, we thought it would be really good to give you guys an update. Now, Grace, the story. Uh, from a Minnesota school district, I was just shaking my head. I at, know. Tell us more about that. Yeah, let's break it down, guys. It's <laughs> can't make this stuff up again. I feel like I say it every podcast episode, but truly, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just shocked at the world we live in. Um, so a video, this is an undated video, so we're not sure exactly when this video was created, but it has surfaced of a Minnesota public school teacher who says that her goal is to confuse kids about gender. Now, this is Alpha News reporting. I'm going to link the article in the description below. You guys can watch the video for yourself. It's like 20, 25 seconds long tops. Um, but this teacher is a music teacher here in Minnesota in the Mounds View Public School District. And um, multiple parents have identified this teacher as such. She explains that some of her students and some of the students of other teachers alongside her can't tell if he or she is a boy or a girl. And so in this video, she's just bragging about how her goal is indeed to confuse kids about gender. It's good if they don't know if they're a boy or a girl. Wow. Yeah. It's good. It's real. It's good. Because I would expect the teacher to say something like, well, if they don't know, that's okay. Not it's good. Yeah. Because you really want you really want your kids, your students to be confused. You want them to. And you think that's good. Don't you want them to settle on something at least? Yeah. No, it's good that they're confused. So I think it's disgusting, it's manipulative, and abusive. I would use all of those three terms with no no fear and no, like, I think those terms encapsulate it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Disgusting, manipulative, abusive. Here's what some parents are saying about this, and I encourage you guys to go watch that video because, wow. Um, one parent says, I am very upset that this teacher is saying that her goal is to confuse kids. Her personal life has no place in an elementary school. That's it right so there. So true. Because, I mean, we've talked about this before in the podcast. How come it's adults who are confused about their own gender that are pushing this ideology on kids? Why? It's usually because they will feel better about themselves and their choices that they have made if they can push it on kids and confuse more kids. Mm -hmm. So that's why I would say, it seems like, I should say, it seems like that's why this teacher thinks it's good if her students... Or his students, who knows, honestly. Honestly, I mean, it's definitely a girl. Uh, we don't know how they. I think, but they reached quote, out. Alpha News did reach out to ask what her identity is, um, and that she de- she Oops. declined to comment. So I'm, I think, biological woman. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so uh, another parent says these are discussions about life, sexuality, and human development that parents should have with their children. Very good. Very true. Um, don't want our kids indoctrinated by teachers that are trying to justify their own life choices, right? It's just so absurd. Like, <laughs> imagine if you're a math teacher, and 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 a kid, and a kid comes to I know where you're going, yeah, a kid comes to you, and it's like, uh, teacher, the way that you taught this calculus lesson was really, uh, I was just very confused by it, and then she's like, that's the goal, that's I the goal. Not. No, no, like a teacher, it's so a teacher. True. 
teachers exist to, to bring light. You're so funny, but it's so true. It puts it into perspective. Yeah. Why, why should kids, they, they should be clear on what reading, writing, and arithmetic are, but they should be desperately confused about gender. Is that, is that, what, we're, is that what we're supposed to be doing? Like, I, I think that's absurd. In, in addition to this being completely age inappropriate to it not belonging in an elementary school mm-hmm. in the first place, it's just so strange. I, I just know. find this to be absolutely bizarre. I know. Gonna read you a little bit more from this same parent, this mm-hmm. second parent, because just knocks it out of the park with his response. He mm-hmm. says that the parent-child relationship is one of the most important and fundamental relationships for a child's growth and development. When an elementary teacher injects herself into that relationship between a parent and child by making that child confused about gender and sexuality, they are violating the trust and relationship between a parent and a child. Now, I think that's really good and really accurate because, you know, parents care the most about their children. Yes. And The parent-child relationship, I mean, that's the building block of society. The nuclear family is the building block of society. And if we can't trust trust parents to raise up their children, we have a big problem. We trust parents. Um, And schools work for parents. Teachers work for parents. Parents do not work for teachers. That's what I keep thinking about all this craziness that's been going on. Not just this story, but other stories. Like, I'm sorry. It's the parents that are paying the teachers to work for them. It's their tax money. Well, and that, that is why, you know, I'm not going to say that public schools are bad. I'm not saying that. But I w- what I will say is in a public school, the teachers are not hired by the parents. They're not paid by the parents. They're, they're paid by the school district, which is a unit of local government that receives money from state, federal, and local government. Mm-hmm. So the teachers are government employees, and they see themselves as government employees. They do what uh, the principal tells them to do. They do what the administrators tell them to do. And the administrators and the principals have oftentimes been radicalized by the teachers' unions, by radical approaches to education, by critical race theory, by gender identity ideology, as, as in this example. So that is an absurd thing. So that's why you often don't have that accountability. Now, true, school boards, public school boards, are publicly elected. So in theory, school board members should try to keep this stuff in check. And that's why over the past few years, you've seen all this anger at yep. school board meetings. Because uh, what, what happens generally is that teachers are acting out. Sometimes it's the board itself. But a lot of times it's teachers who are acting out and the school board gets yelled at because that's happening. And I, I'm fully with the parents who are yelling at the school board saying, do not show this pornographic material to my children. Do not have it on the library shelves. Do not try to confuse my my first grader about their gender. Basic <laughs> stuff, guys. Right. It goes back to that math thing you were saying. So yeah. good, Moses. Yeah. So good. Please, in fact, I would like them to have <laughs> clarity and not confusion about all the things right. that come up in the right. classroom. I mean, is that too much to ask? And that is why, though, why private education is so appealing to so many people, especially right now, is because there, you know, obviously you can't, in any one individual parent can control what a private school does, but at least you have, uh, the parents are literally paying the bills for that education. And ultimately, um, I think that uh, private schools are more responsive, especially the smaller, uh, uh, the school are more responsive to the needs and expectations of parents. And so, I don't know, uh, that we need to either, you need to either we need to either really improve our public schools or we need to rethink that entire system. That's my personal uh, view on that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, guys, we'll keep you posted as we learn more about the story, what happens with this teacher. 
I think that this teacher deserves to be fired personally. Um, we will see what happens. Um, but we'll keep you posted. And please do check out that video for yourself. Again, that's linked in the description. Um, as we close out this episode, Moses, I'd just like to ask you what you're reading. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I'm still reading the same thing. I'm reading okay. uh, Kristen Lovren's Daughter by Sigurd Unset. I'm on the third book, which is uh, called The Cross. And... Uh, uh, things are things are not looking up for Kristen. This is a medieval uh, a story set in medieval Norway, um, and uh, it's really beautiful the way it portrays. Mm-hmm. She has seven sons, and, and just her relationship with her sons, her relationship with her son, with her husband. It's lovely. My wife was bugging me for years to read it, and I finally said yes, and it's amazing. However, it's not super. Um, it's it's sad. It is kind of a tragedy. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. And yet, it's not. It is also redemptive. That's that's my my at least so far. So I'm about yeah not quite halfway through the final the final book of that. And then I also my light reading right now is a book called Delta V by Daniel Suarez, and it's kind of a near future uh, science fiction book about um, so far it's kind of about asteroid mining, but it's actually more exciting than that makes it sound. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, because yeah, um, asteroid mining not my uh, not my cup of tea precisely but it's yeah it's just about humanity's explorations into space which i'm a big fan of so that is what i'm reading how about you grace i am reading this is for school it's in a book on ecclesiology and it's called sojourners and strangers the doctrine of the church um who's that by it is by greg allison Hmm. yep so is baptist ecclesiology so yep baptist ecclesiology (laughs) he's lutheran and i'm presbyterian is that a thing (laughs) have to write a book review on it so Okay, I'm just kidding. It's like it's like this thick. I'm not we joking. love our we love it's our like Baptist Moses friends. This thick. Okay, so it's... I I guess there is there's a book. I guess there is Baptist ecclesiology. I yep. Guess, so guess... reading that, and then I also recently finished My Bright Abyss, which I saw that you read it. <gasps> yes. On Goodreads, which I gave it three, but you gave it like four or five, didn't you? Yeah, I did. For wow. me, it was just like it was very interesting, and I thought there was some really good stuff in it. But for every heck yes I had, I had a heck no. That's interesting. I so that book is by the poet Christian Wyman, and Chris, oh yeah, yep, Christian. and he's yep. someone who, um, he's someone who had, first of all, he's had like a ton of stuff in his life. Uh, mm-hmm. He had he had cancer, or maybe still does. Uh, um, like it's possible. I think it might be like a chronic thing that he just lives with, mm-hmm. and then um, his he bone had a, marrow too. Uh, it's really his, bad. Oh my gosh, yeah. And he had a very rough uh, family thing. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a really good piece in Harper's Weekly by him. That oh, I have yes. to send it to you. Okay, do it. Um, I read it aloud to my wife uh, just a month ago or two. And he, he's just such a good writer. He but, it really is. But my right abyss, um, it's a memoir of faith because he's someone who came to faith. But one thing that sticks with me in that book, though, is he talks, he says, Christ is contingency. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I found that statement to be troubling because me too because he doesn't flesh out what he means by that That's yeah the thing. like at that at the time that i read it and i honestly i'm just googling like what does contingency mean contingency a future event or circumstance which is possible but cannot be predicted with certainty and i think it's like his idea is like god exists in the space of like the possible mm-hmm. like god is God exists, but in terms of God's power, he doesn't have ultimate power. He works through contingency. And yeah. I just didn't agree with that then. I yep. don't agree with it now. I think it's like maybe something that he believes because of how hard life has been for him and how also he's 
he's kind of been burned by the church as well. And, you know, yep. I, I hear that. But yep. you have to look at the word and you have to look at the Bible. That was my main critique. Yeah. I, just like he didn't, he wasn't looking to scripture. He was quoting a bunch of poets and stuff, but he wasn't quoting scripture and going straight to the word. Um, and then he also didn't seem to have like a rich understanding of why the cross is important. Mm. Why? Because of our sin. It seems like he wanted a Christ, a God who is sympathetic to suffering, which we all want that, but it seems like he wanted to stop there. He didn't want right. it because suffering, but also we need him to take away our sin. We don't need, we don't just need a God who's sympathetic to suffering. We need right. a God who can fix that problem, who right. can help us overcome, uh, overcome all of the suffering and evil and sin in our lives through unity with him. Mm-hmm. So, um, we won't get into yeah. the weeds too much more there, guys, but really interesting book. Um, do recommend uh, reading it. It's a good read. But yeah, there's a lot of things where you'd probably be like, yeah, wow, that's really good. But then the next sentence, it's like, no, don't agree with that. That's kind of how yeah. I was the whole book. Yeah, very well yep. written, but suspect. Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. is true of a lot of books. Guys, I think that brings us to the end of yep. this week's episode of The Family Beacon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Grace and I are glad to be back after a couple weeks where it hasn't been the two of us and uh, more episodes coming again every Friday wherever you get your podcasts video and audio and I would like to again say please make sure you're getting our email updates mfc.org forward slash subscribe and look out for our action alerts especially as we come into this next stage of the legislative session there are mm-hmm. going things are uh, the deadlines are moving are uh, moving fast we need people to hear from their legislators how they feel about these bills that are being considered by the Minnesota legislature. So that's what we do here at the Family Beacon. We get you the facts so that you can stand for truth. Thanks so much for watching or listening. Thanks for listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth. Thank you.